gods, no idols, no passions, no loves that we place in front of God. When we do that, when we place other loves in front of God, that, in front of God we're committing idolatry. Scripture tells us that God loves us and creates us and provides for us, and he doesn't want to be second on your list. And he sure as heck doesn't want to be third, fourth, seventh, or eleventh. He wants to be your number one. Just a, little, a quick illustration of what that looks like is this. Um, just so if you haven't been here, what we've been building on, a quick illustration of what this looks like is this. I want you to imagine you're standing next to your mom or next to your dad, and then someone walks up to you who, who's a good friend, who's been good to you, and you look at them and you say, and you call that person mom. And then I want you to imagine what your mom would be thinking when you did that. I'm your mom. Or if it was a dad, I'm your dad. That name is reserved for me. You know what I mean? So in that, that is what it is like with God. He wants to be our number one. It even says in the scriptures that he's a jealous God for us. Then we got to week two, and, and during that week two, we talked about the institution of marriage and how that because God created marriage, he instituted, he spoke, and he made it happen. And because of that, we see that Satan attacks it. And then the third week, we broke that down even a little bit further, and we talked about wives. Uh, what was the word Andrew used last week? Well, what did it say again? Well, well, you know, you heard the sermon. I wanted to hear the women say it. Well, <laughs> what was it? Submit? Okay. And, 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 and how, I'm, I didn't even listen to that message yet. I'm guessing, you know, but we, I'm sure Andrew talked about how that's just not what our culture speaks to us about. And, and, and this week, I get to speak to you guys on, on husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church. Do you know the saddest part about that is that you need to be told to love your wife, right? Isn't that sad? That we need direction from God to remind us of that first love we had when we decided to, to get married to the person we're marrying. But as we look at this today and as we talk about this, I, I, I want us to look at this in a different way. I want it to give us hope. I believe that these verses, the, the part even that Andrew read last week and taught on and the part that I'm reading and teaching from today can change your relationships. They bring hope. They bring direction. These verses, and hear my words, these verses are not for the perfect. They're, they're there to be a guide for the broken. It is to help you, and it is to heal you, and to, to assist you as you continue in what God has brought together. Let no man separate. You get that? So, as we start... I'll get to that in a second. Let, let's do something else first. Let, let, let me show you some famous TV role models to start with. You tell me the name <laughs> and the TV show. Who's this guy? And what TV show? And, 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 and what do we know about Al Bundy? I mean, he's from Chicago, okay? Uh, what's that? Yep. <laughs> and I'm, yep. Very, it is. It really is. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit that in a second. What else do you know about him? How did he treat his wife? 
How did he treat her? He insulted her. He is a horrible TV role model, but yet we laugh at him. And, and, and I'm going to talk about this because it's, it's, it feeds into something bigger. Who's the next one? Who's this guy? Way Barone. What TV show is he on? Everyone loves Raymond. Goofball. He, TV revealed to him, as revealed to, to, to us, that he is one of those people who constantly messes up all the time, says the wrong things, and usually, and I, I'm not an expert in this TV show, I've watched it, but just hear me out. Usually, it's his wife who fixes stuff, fixes the relationship. Let's look at the third one, because he's important as well. Who's that guy? <laughs> What's his name? Red. Red. What TV show? That 70s show. Now, Red's important because he's like a lot of men, and that it's very hard for men to communicate their feelings of love towards the people around them. Red, Red is a, a hard-nosed person who just struggles with saying the, the, the comforting words of, of affirmation and adoration, especially towards his wife. See, and then we go back to El Bundy real quick. Um, you talked about his, his four uh, touchdowns in one game. Is that what it was? Yeah, and, and, and so he is one of those guys who's constantly living in the past. His best days were behind him. He constantly lived in the glory of something that, lived in, that happened in high school instead of enjoying the fruits of his marriage. And I, I bring this up, and, and it's in humor, but it's also in this. It seems like to me that society has forgotten that as men, we have the ability to love and to lead and to serve and to care for our wives. It's like there's this, this it's, like it's, it's like a lost treasure. I'm not beating you up today. I'm just going to remind you of what you can have because of what he has done for us. So, and I, one more thing before I get to the text. You see it and you notice it when it's done right. See, I was a, a, a kid who grew up in a, in a family that's a divorced. And uh, I struggled to remember the number of people around me who were actually still married. Like the, my, my friends who had, whose parents were married. And and I understand that, that divorce happens, and I'm not trying to beat up on anybody who's had divorce. Um, we love you. We know that all sin is forgivable. But, like, like, I think I just expected it. And then when I became a believer, and I, I'm not going to go through the whole story of when I became a believer, but when I became a believer, there was this guy who came into my life, and his name was Pastor Brian. And Pastor Brian, and this is how much I did not know about Jesus, when he told me his name was Pastor Brian, I thought Pastor was his first name. And Brian was his last name, and I thought, that's a weird name. <laughs> and over the next couple of months, what happened was this. My, my dad left us, and my mom went to jail. And Pastor Brian became, became like, like a father figure in my life. But one of the first things I noticed was this. That man loved his wife. Loved her. I, I, I don't think I'd seen a man 
love his wife like he loved his. And what do you think it meant? It means it stuck out to me. I was like, man, this dude, he's respectful. He loves her. He asks her questions. He talks to her. What do you want? And it, and it, and it, and it spoke to me. And in that, I think we see the difference. We see the difference. We know the difference. So let's read our text. We're going to pray, then we're going to read our text, and then we're, gonna, we're just going to let it hit us in the heart. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for, well, let's just give away the end of the message now. We thank you for being the perfect groom. Scripture calls you the groom in the church, your bride. So, Lord, thank you for being the perfect example of what it means to love our wives. Also, thank you for forgiving us when we don't. So speak to us, Lord, through your word. In your name we pray. Amen? All right, starting with verse 25, we're going to read. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of, the, of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and, and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should, should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying this, I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Honestly, any of the men a little nervous, a little timid, a little worried about what they're going to hear today? Wives probably sitting there with their notebooks out, getting ready to, to, to see what it means for, for a husband to love and care for her. Well, hopefully what happens today is, is that we see that we all make mistakes in lives. Just like last week, I'm sure that there's, there's a portion of us that, that, that struggles with, with last week's message, and then there's a, a portion of us who are going to struggle with this week's message, and, and hopefully we just start to see stuff differently today. See, this text is a really important text to me because early on in, in, in my ministry as a pastor, I started to use this text with couples as we were going through marital counseling both premarital and marital counseling. At the time, I was at a, at a, a, a church of seven to 800, and it was often that, that we would be doing uh, counseling or mentoring with couples. And, and I remember this one time that this couple came into my office, and they didn't know much about Jesus. They were living together, and they wanted me to marry them. Um, and and when, when someone comes to me and says, hey, you know, uh, I, I'm living with my girlfriend, and we're looking to get married in the church. You know, what I say to them is this. I'm, I'm willing to marry you, but I'm going to tell you the same thing that I tell everybody. 
that if you want me to marry you, you got to do all my premarital counseling with me. What that means is I do about 8 to 12 sessions with each couple. Think about that. 8 to 12, 50-minute sessions. I ask them to read a couple books. They have to do a couple of interviews because I want this, this, this union to go the way that God wants it to go. So this couple says, hey, that sounds great to us. So they came in, and we started to talk through the first session and the second session, and then we get to the third session. Towards the end of the third session, this is what I say to them. I'm going to give you each some homework, and here's what I want you to do. I gave him the section of the, of the text that we're doing today. I put on a sheet of paper. I folded it, gave it to him. I gave her the section of the scriptures that, 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 uh, that we covered last week, and then I said to them this. I want you guys to go home. I want you to read the verse. I want you to Google it. I want you to tell me what other people think it means. I want you to tell me people say it, what, it, what it says. And, and then I want you guys to come back here next week, and we're going to discuss it. And I said, do me one favor, though. Don't talk about it with each other until next week. Thinking that if I told them not to, they would. They didn't. <laughs> so they come in the, the, the following week, and they sit down in my office, and, and, and we start to talk. And, and as we sat there, here's what happens. I said, you guys did your homework. They said, yes, we did. She, she sits down, and, and she's kind of like this. Okay? She kind of has her arms crossed. He comes in, and this dude, I'm not kidding you, he came in with like three or four sheets. And I'm like, okay, we're going we're gonna to take up the full 50 minutes plus today. And I said, you know, how about you go first? And I said that to him, and, and, and he says, okay. And I said, uh, tell your wife, read the verses that, that you had. And it said, you know, uh, husband loves your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then he went on to explain what that meant. And he had all these other scripture references. And this is a guy who did not grow up in the Bible talking about how he wants to love her and care for her and comfort her and serve her. And, and, and she hears the word serve. And as he's talking, her, her arms just start to melt. And she starts to listen. And she starts to watch him. And when he's finished reading all of his, his, his short book, I looked at her and I said, and what do you think about this? And she looks at, no, I'm sorry, I messed that up. That's not, he looked at her and said, that's how I want to love you. And, I, and, and she looked at him and I said, what do you think? And she said, that's how I want to be loved. You know, um, I'm telling you this because the first takeaway from this message is this. Do you think when you got married that you got married and it, that, that it was going to be fair? Was it fair? Because what it says, it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. So the first thing I'm really asking you is this. Was it fair when Jesus Christ paid for our sins and died for our sins? Was it fair when the innocent Jesus stepped into this world to pay for the sins and wrongdoings, take on the punishment of the guilty? Was it fair? No. So in the first thing that I look at when I'm reading these verses is this, because we have to process this first, that there is nothing inside a marriage that is fair. 
Most things aren't fair. I've never come across anything in any marriage where at any time that each person gave the same amount. I've never come across a relationship that's 50-50. It doesn't happen. But I've come across a number of couples who sit in my office who think that and who want that, whose perspective is off. Let me give you an example. And here's the thing. Do you each give a fair amount, a 50-50 split when it comes to income or duties at home or, or selflessness? Like, nothing's ever going to be fair. And then I was thinking about this, like, like there was a time in my marriage with Jenny where we, before we had kids and we had this stuff called money, and, <laughs> and, and Jenny had a full-time job, and, 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 and she made money, and I had a full-time job, and then on top of the full-time job, I was working even more, and we were both, and I, and I, I, I out-earned her. I did. I made more money than her. I was the man, okay? And, 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 and then you know what happens? Then we go to seminary. Well, we go to seminary, and, and I'm a full-time student, and I have a job in the dorms, and we still don't have kids yet, and Jenny's working full-time. Who makes more money? Jenny. Life isn't fair, and nothing in your marriage is supposed to be fair. You know, it's funny because I've had a couple of ladies come up to me this week and say, you know, I'm really excited about hearing this side of the message. And I wanted to look at them and I wanted to say, why? Why do you want to hold his feet to the fire? Did you, do you feel like he's cheating you? Is he not fair? Is, is he not giving as much as you think? Marriage isn't fair. And the first thing I see when I read this text, and it might not use that word, but I see it. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Well, that tells me that I'm supposed to love differently. I'm supposed to love even when I'm not being loved. And your vows never speaks of fairness. So in that, men... Hear me. Love your wife. Love them even when they're not fair to you. Even when you don't feel like loving them, love them. Even when she doesn't meet your needs, even when she doesn't clean your dishes, even when she doesn't work enough, even when she doesn't, doesn't meet the, the, the false identity that you have built her up to have, you are called to love your wife. Nowhere in there, in your vows or in the scriptures, does it say, husbands, love your wives when they've been good to you. Am I wrong? Man. But see, again, we live in a society that tells us a little bit differently. We live in a society that tells us, oh, made it What? She did what? I can't believe it. Like, you should be mad. You should be upset. He should sleep on the couch. She should, she should get her own room. We, 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 we can't tolerate each other because of these things. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. Husbands, hear this. 
Christ did not come into the world to die for our sins when we said to him, hey, we're sinful and we're sorry and we need your forgiveness. No, Christ came into the world while we were yet sinners. Meaning that if we are to love our wives like Christ loved the church, then we become the initiators of solving and fixing issues. Did you hear that? We are called to be the ones who aren't scared to talk about the awkward, to work on something that's broken. I want to be honest with you. I used to want to be the man. I used to want to be the man in the house. Like, I, wa I wanted to wear the pants. I wanted people to know that I wore the pants. That was before I was married. That was also before I even had an inkling of what it meant to be the man. Now, I care. This is not about me doing this right. I'm not saying I do do it right. Most of the things I'm preaching on are my mistakes. Okay? But, like, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care if you think I'm the man anymore. That was what I used to want. I, want, I want. I wanted you to think I was the man, and I don't anymore. Now what I care about is what Jenny Lynn Pangman thinks of me. I want her to look at me and see a man that loves her. Not because she's perfect, because Lord knows she's not She's not even close. Matter of fact, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I want her to look at me, and when she looks at me, see the person who loves her. And we're not there yet. It'll come when we talk about our children. But I want my kids to look at me and see a man that loves Jennifer Lynn Pangman. Early on in our marriage, I would sit around, and, and when I was mad at Jenny, I'd wait for her to apologize. She's more stubborn than me. <laughs> so God taught me that you're going to have to be the one who initiates it. And I didn't listen to him because she still initiated eventually. But now I, I hope I'm different. I'm 41 but I, I now know it in my heart and in my soul and in my mind. I can feel it when there's angst in our relationship. And Christ initiated his love for us. When we sinned for him, he stepped into this world. And when there's sin in my relationship, I am called to be the one who steps into it and tries to initiate it and fix it even when it's hard and awkward and broken. I still don't do this right all the time. I'm still asking God to convict my heart, to help me understand, to, to, to want to be the one who fixes it. Because look at what verse 26 says. It says this, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Jesus is the one who sanctifies. 
He is the one that, 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 that comes alongside side us and, 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 and he fixes, that's what's, what, is, what is broken with us. We don't do it on our own. We don't clean ourselves up, make ourselves better, and, and then present a good life to God. It doesn't work that way. The way that it works is that Jesus, while we're sinners, while we're messed up, he comes and, 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 and he, he speaks his love to us and he, and he offers us the free gift of salvation and we take it and then we go on this, in this relationship and we go on this journey where the process of sanctification happens. And it is the same thing. We are not to leave our spouse in their, their filth or our filth. He doesn't want us to wait to love. Do you wait to love? Do you wait to love? Are you waiting for your spouse to do things right before you love them? If you do, I'm going to say something about you. I'm going to insult you. You're a prideful person. Proverbs 11.2 says this, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. When your pride gets in the way of your second calling in life, the disgrace will be losing the one you once loved with so much passion. But with humility, with not caring about winning and losing fights, and humility, when we're trying to fix a broken aspect of our marriage, you will gain wisdom. We are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And some people might not completely understand the depths of this, so Paul then writes this. In the same way, husbands, love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. This is Paul's way of saying, put your wife first. Put her needs in front of your own. And we should understand this because it's what we naturally do. We naturally put our needs first. And what Paul is saying is when you love your wife, you naturally put her needs first. It doesn't say her happiness. It says her needs. Not only does this, not only are we called to sanctify the relationship, my favorite part of this text in this verse says this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. You, that word, hold fast, I talked about it a little bit ago, but I was thinking about this, what it means to hold fast, and, and, and do you hold fast to your wife? Do you hug her and not let her go? I'm stronger than Jenny. You guys might not have realized that. I can hold fast to her. She could not get away from me if she tried. If I started to put a bear hug around her, I got her. She's mine. That should be what it looks like even when she's sinning and annoying me. It's what it should look like when I'm sinning and annoying her. I should be holding fast to her. And as I look up and I see that we're already 10 minutes past time, I'm just going to cut to something. It's this. Husbands, you won't love your wives the way Christ loved the church. You won't remember to, uh, and, you, and if you do remember, you won't do it, but you won't remember to love her. You won't remember to hold fast to her. You won't remember to be humble. You won't remember to, to place her needs before yours. But if there's one thing I hope that we can do and that we can remember is this. 
It's that Jesus Christ came into this world, and the, and the scriptures called Jesus the groom. And he calls the church his bride. And then he's married to us, and, and, and he gives his all for that. And in that, in Jesus giving his all to us, he gives us forgiveness of not being the husbands we want. And this is what I, I want to leave you with. If you're a, a husband or you're a 17-year-old boy with a girlfriend and you love her and she's the one and you know it all already, add this one thing to your, to, to your memory bank, okay? And it's this. If there's one way that you can lead your wife and that you can love her, it's in showing her the forgiveness that Jesus Christ gives you. Let your humility go. And when you mess up as a husband, run to the cross. Get down on your knees. Seek the forgiveness that he gives you. And let your wife and spouse see that. Let them see that you, we mess up. Let them see that we're broken, that we're in need of a Savior. Because when we do that, I really do believe that then your wife will want to be at the foot of the cross with you. She'll know she's not perfect either. And if you're both at the foot of the cross, you're in a great place. Because what Jesus does is he restores all things that are broken. He heals all things that are sick. He is the one who's capable of giving you the marriage that he wants you to have considering he made the two become one flesh. And in that, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for today. May your word speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls. Help us to hold fast and help us to love. And help us to lead in forgiveness. In your name we pray, amen.